Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. For a while now, we've been following up on some changes that are coming to the farm and industry short course. It is a long-standing historically strong program here in the state of Wisconsin that brings in a lot of folks that don't have time for a four-year experience, maybe a two-year solid experience, but it gives them an opportunity to upgrade their skills when they're not actively farming. What's changing? Well, Doug Reinemann's in studio with us. He's one of the associate deans that's uh, handling uh, help with the Farm and Industry Short Course Restructure and the director of the Farm and Industry Short Course, Jennifer Blazik. So let's uh, start off by just setting the table here, Doug, on what was going on. You were introduced into this at a, I'll say, a fairly late stage in the game. A lot of the die was already cast. But give, give people a sense on why this conversation has been taking place now for a couple months. Yeah, so the the big change in CALS is that the, the Farm and Industry Short Course is moving from the Office of Academic Affairs to the Office of Extension and Outreach. So in academic affairs, that was, you know, you've been hearing about four credit. The academic affairs is four credit. It's like we do our undergraduate instruction, credit-bearing courses. So that has been the structure of the of the short course for about the last six years or so. The declining enrollments caused us to rethink that uh, and and pretty pretty good evidence to suggest that that four credit model was was uh, was hurting our ability to draw students to the program, and it really restricted a lot of things that we could do with the program. So the decision was made to move it from the four credit uh, academic affairs into the office of extension and outreach, which I am the associate dean of. So you know I've heard a lot of. Uh, talk about is the program will no longer be accredited. Well, that's not quite right. We will still be offering uh, certification and certificates and things like that. So it's, it, it won't fit into our, you know, our undergraduate instruction model, but it will continue to fit into our outreach model, and there will be certifications for the, for the program. Now, I know the weeds get pretty deep all of a sudden when you talk about existing students and what happens next. But really explain for people what the difference is as far as execution, logistic, staffing from an academic uh, certification versus uh, the extension side of things. That's pretty striking. Yeah. So in a lot of ways, what we're doing is actually going back in a certain way to the way that short course used to be. So there are many of our faculty in the College of Ag, myself included, that are funded by the Division of Extension. So we are extension specialists. And if you look over the history of the short course, the vast majority of that instruction has been done by our extension faculty. That's a form, you know, the extension faculty, in addition to the short course, do a lot of other outreach, a lot of other extension activities. So it looks more like what you, you know, would see in an extension program than what you'd see in an undergraduate instruction in a, in a classroom uh, you know, course that that uh, uh, fulfills one of our degree requirements. Jennifer, tell me a little bit about the class, the students that you see in class today. I want people to understand very clearly what Farm and Industry Short Courses uh, engaging audience looks like. Tell me a little bit about them. 
Yeah, so it's changed over the years from some of when our alumni went through. Obviously, we have women in the program now, and uh, this year we had probably the biggest class of women um, as far as percentages. Uh, it's also it's still very traditional, you know, farm kids, if you will. The they're coming from a farm, they have a family farm. But more and more, especially in my four years um, in my role, is I've been seeing a lot more students who are non-traditional, I call them. So they're not from a farm. They're interested in agriculture. They're, they want to either work on a farm or go into agribusiness. And so you're seeing more and more that that shift is changing, which is very similar to the demographic shift in, in the farming community too, right? You're seeing having – there are less farmers, less farm kids. So we're seeing more non-traditional. It's just that they still have either friends or family members who went through FISC or knew someone who went through FISC, so that's how they're entering the program. And to a large extent, that's how you've been recruiting for years and years and years. Tell me about the stark differences between how those students interact with one another, maybe interact with mom and dad back home, versus some of the traditional ways, like you said, that we had recruited. Yeah, so a lot of times um, FFA is a big recruiter for us. You know, a lot of the... um, FFA advisors, the ag teachers, they already know about FIS, so they're sending a lot of students. Um, what's really interesting is uh, the non-traditional students, um, they are – this year I would say we had a better job of them integrating into the community because um, a lot of times, you know, in the hallway or in the rooms or when they're doing social activities, it's all farming talk, right? Like favorite tractors, mm-hmm. color tractors, mm-hmm. you know, what's the – newest uh, bulls that they're looking at breeding. And so a lot of non-traditional students have trouble entering those conversations Mm -hmm. because they aren't, you know, that's not their traditional lingo that they and comfort with. So there's a little bit of that uh, community that it's playing to helping making sure both communities feel as part of one big community when they're here on on campus. And that takes a little time. It also takes friendships. That helps, you know, having some of our FISC ambassadors, the student ambassadors, kind of helping manage those relationships. But also it's the, like you said, the marketing is where those students located. They're not necessarily coming through FFA. Some are, but you know, more and more now, but not traditionally. And then the farm shows, they're not at the farm shows like Farm Tech Days and WPS Farm Show. So it's a lot of, you know, finding going through schools, um, classroom visits that uh, needs to get those students, especially the non-traditional students who are not coming from traditional pathways in agriculture. Well, and to that point, we have to realize that there are some expectations of FISC as a standalone program. FISC has to fund itself, essentially. Doug, talk to me a little bit. You've got in your mind, if not on paper, if not as part of an operating document, some specific goals that Farm and Industry Short Course must meet. Uh, Just because it was here 100 years ago does not mean it's going to be here 100 years from now. Well, that's, uh, you know, the the course, the short course has always been self-supporting through tuition. So there's part part of the, you know, the cost of, of coming to the program is tuition which covers the instructional component, and then there's a, there's a housing cost. And, and so um, it's always been the case, as with all of our programs, that uh, we need to cover our costs through tuition and, and housing costs need to be covered. The full costs need to be covered. There's, so, the, the, you know, there's, I've heard people have some sort of an idea like certain things are subsidized. Well, nothing is really subsidized, right? We, we, we have to – we survive on – on tuition and and housing fees, and uh, so that's you know that's the sort of the economic side of things. Is uh, we have to figure out a model for the number of students. You know, can we can we run this type of program with that number of students? And there are certain costs required to run 
uh, certain types of programs. Now, I had heard 100 students, something like that, would be a, a good ideal to, short, to shoot for. We are going to go through some growth changes here. Explain for people in clear, understandable language, 2022 is going to look very different than maybe 2023, certainly than 2021. Explain that, Doug. So 2021 uh, was was basically the old model, and uh, so we had. I'm turning looking at Jennifer here. Thirty some students, thirty five oh students. <laughs> you know, tuition paying students, and so um, uh, in in the coming year, 2022, uh, we we are having a very limited number of offerings, which means that of course our tuition dollars are are going will likely go down considerably. There are still some offerings, and Jennifer can talk about that. Uh, but also, you know, our costs are going down because we had there was a lot of cost for instructors, and that's one of the things that sort of changed with Fisk over the time. Is that, uh, like I said before, traditionally a lot of the instruction, in fact, most of the instruction was done by extension faculty, and the instruction has sort of moved to academic staff and. Uh, external uh, instructors. And there's a cost to that. So the cost of the program was actually sort of going up mm-hmm. if you look at it that way. So, you know, we we think, you know, we can survive this coming year uh, with our, you know, reduced income because we're going to have reduced costs. But again, in 2023, whatever we roll out in 2023 uh, is going to have to carry its weight in terms of the cost of the program. And, you know, we kind of anticipate that 2023 might be a building year. We might not get our full enrollment, and it's probably going to take us a while to kind of build up to a, a steady state enrollment number. And you know that is actually a cost that the college has has been willing to bear. We're early in the discussion, though, folks. I don't want uh, anybody to think that this is a done deal. Doug Reinerman in studio with us again, like we said, one of the associate deans that's working with the farming industry short course to morph into what the future is going to look like, along with Jennifer Blazik, director of the farming industry short course. And let's be clear, it's not these two people alone that are coming up with these ideas. You have been very actively engaged in conversation with industry. Tell me about that, Doug. Yeah, well, we've been uh, talking. We had this uh, big public listening session uh, a couple weeks ago, and then we had a big meeting with a number of farm groups. It was sort of co-sponsored by Farm Bureau and PDPW, but there were a number of other uh, farm groups represented. And, you know, we spent the better part of a day sort of talking about, you know, what can we do, what are the needs. Uh, And so, you know, those discussions have continued and, and will continue to go on. Uh, I'm also have been in discussion with um, the uh, uh, technical college system representatives from the you know the ag programs and the technical college system. We're very interested in what they're doing and how we can do something that doesn't compete or duplicate what they're doing, but adds to what they're doing. What we're really looking for is what is the what is the unique contribution of CALS in in this program. And we're trying to, you know, leverage that and make use of our partners, you know, uh, let them do what they do well and support what they do well. Now, this is going to take some creativity. We're going where we've never gone before, where nobody's gone before, quite honestly. Jennifer, a lot of the onus is going to land on your shoulders on coming up with that creative uh, outreach, on coming up with programming that's attractive. 
I know it's early on, but share with people some of the concepts, the ideas that you've been noodling around for a while that might be early staples of what we're looking at down 2023 and beyond. Yeah, so we've been really focused on, especially thanks to all the people who participate in the the, industry, the um, listening session that we had. We had over 100 people there. That was awesome. Uh, the stakeholder session was really helpful, too. And it really helped pinpoint what is kind of the niche of FISC, that, where it can fit. And so, you know, some key things we heard is bringing people on campus, connecting them to faculty and researchers who are doing the research that then goes out into the industry and is applied. So how can we fit in that in? And it'll look very much uh, shorter term. You know, we're not going to be able to most likely do eight-week sessions as we used to. So that'll look very different. Um, it'll be probably a lot more hands-on in some ways, more one-on-one with researchers. That's one of the ideas that we're thinking of. How can we connect people um, because that's one of the things that we heard from students is that they really enjoy getting to know the the research the faculty who are doing research and then having those relationships that, that they call on later in life, yeah. you know, at, right. later once they're farming. And so how can we establish those but also have more of that personalized? Because um, one thing we've learned from faculty is they like that shorter, more intensive, you know, much more advanced type level of um, uh, teaching. So it's things like that, looking at different unique um, timings, you know, maybe in January when there's a little bit less uh, push for um, things on campus happening, uh, there's that two-week break. So that might be a great time to offer some education, especially because it still fits in with the farm schedule. Um, so a little bit of that. Also, I'm working there. I had already started, so um, it's not new by any means, but momentum with some online education as well, some courses. I have my Spanish for Dairy course that has been very successful, and I started that oh, back in 2019. So just And then there's been some interest, um, especially in, it seems like forever ago, but in that 2020-2021 year when we went online for the first time ever in Fisk, there was quite a bit of interest in our online offerings for people not only in the state but beyond. And so offering that, and in, in, that would be some of our limited offerings that we're going to be looking at for this coming year because there's already some momentum and some col- collaborations that we can bank on mm-hmm. to build those out And I'm as sure. we're working on the in-person, on-campus components. Well, as you can see, we are far from a resolved situation here when it comes to Farm and Industry Short Course, but we did want you to know uh, kind of what's happening behind the scenes in case you have not engaged in the uh, conversations online or been involved. And that's one other thing, Jennifer, drive home again for people that really do have a stake in this, how can they continue to follow along outside of listening to my conversations with you, which are only as catch can, how can they kind of keep track of the dialogue? Yeah, that's a great question. So we're always open, Doug and I both to, you know, feedback input. Um, We want to hear from stakeholders. I would say once we start getting moving on kind of identifying some of our uh, groups who are going to be advising us and working closely with us in the planning, um, you know, we'll be posting that who they are. And so if whether it's PDPW or Farm Bureau or Farmers Union or whoever it is, you know, identify that person and that if they're more, you're more comfortable speaking to them, that would be a great opportunity. But otherwise, always, you know, email, call, um, Yep. Stop by if you're on campus. Well, it's the um, website. It's the website. Yeah, the website it's social media. Yep. You're good so, on. And yeah, we're working on social media. And so, um, yeah, I would say there's many ways to get a hold of us. So I would say that should be your first way. But otherwise, you know, talking to your industry that you're comfortable with, as well as those representatives who are going to be involved in the planning and advisory um, groups with us. 
Like we said, it's an ongoing conversation. That's what you need to take away from this. Nothing has been finalized. Nothing has been decided, except that 2023 is going to look different. Be a part of the conversation, your farm organizations, your associations, or just yourself. Again, the Farm and Industry Short Course website or their social media pages will keep you posted, as will we at Midwest Farm Report. Doug Reineman. Jennifer Blazik in studio with us. We'll keep the conversation going. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Farm Director Pam Yankee.